Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Legendary Tales, officially coming to you with season two. Yeah. This is the podcast where we don't really have a theme anymore. We just do what seems like something that's interesting. what we want to do. Usually, it is something that is fairly legendary, and but that can range from spooky, scary stuff all the way to cool biographies to epic buildings and all manner of other fun stuff. And we're really excited that we get to come back with season two mm-hmm. and episode uh, technically i guess 51 yeah and today we are doing well depressing stuff supernatural true crime was the theme i think we said last week yeah which sounds like it should be cool yeah but i it turns out it's a little bit harder to find that stuff than i thought like i thought it would be easier to find like murder murders that were blamed on ghosts that's sort of like what i was hoping to find uh it turns out that's not the easiest thing to find in the world. Whereas I kind of knew what I wanted to do because it was a story that I've always thought was really interesting, that mm-hmm. there's never been a, there's so many theories, including witchcraft and espionage and other things, but um, but it turns out that, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically, like, Dyatlov Pass was sort of a supernatural... I mean, I think a lot thing. of the things that we've talked yeah. about have had elements of the yeah, at least about them. Theories, right? It's always... And that's kind of what mine is. There is a a supernatural theory, mm-hmm. but but there's like other, but like it's like anything. I guess if there's other the other theories as well. The sort of more mundane yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, and so mundane obviously being like horrific. The, the, the like mundane being like in the literal sense of like the the real world, not like boring. I think. Yeah. Like, obviously, these things are not boring. They're just... I think what we're anyway. talking about is a lot of, sadly, dead women a lot today. Of mur- a lot of murder today. A yeah. lot of dead women a lot today. Of, yeah, a lot of murdered women. Actually, what I ended up doing is I'm uh, is that is talking... I'm uh, just going to talk a little bit about unidentified bodies, which I think is weird in a supernatural sense. So epic. Just... Anyway, we'll get to mine. Um, yes. Uh, Adam's up for I'm us sorry. today. Uh, well, I, was, I wanted to ask you uh, this because I was doing... As I was doing my research for this, one of the like constables who was involved in one of my cases, it went on to investigate the Spring Hill Jack case. Have you ever heard of Spring Hill Jack? No. Okay, so I might end up doing an episode on that. He was apparently some bit of really legendary English folklore, and he could just jump around a lot. He could jump like really high, and that's all. That's basically as far as I went into it because I sort of wanted to. Nope, never heard make of him. It, it's separate episodes. So that's cool. Um, so that'll be fun. That'll be a, an upcoming yeah. episode for sure. Uh, I'm gonna start <clears throat> with what's famously known as the murder at the Red Barn, um, which is uh, a little Englandy murder tale. Um, Interestingly, we both kind of done two today because it turns out yeah. there's not a ton of information. Yeah, I mean, because this one, this this case was in the like mid 1800s. So like information on it, it's not like it's limited. This was yeah. an incredibly popular, incredibly popular murder case of its time. Cause the Victorians had a really weird idea Thing. of like, and super like grotesque yeah. macabre interest in murder yeah. and murderers and dead bodies and stuff. I mean, there are like lots of books about it and it was adapted into several plays during the time as oh, well. Okay. So like um, a lot of information about it, but like, I yeah. just want to kind of burn through it pretty quickly. So this takes place in Suffolk, England, in a village uh, called Polstead, I okay. believe. Um, and two young lovers are in love, as they, <laughs> as t- they, as they tend, tend to be. be. 
And they decide that they want to elope off to Ipswich. Is that like a, a desirable place to elope to? No. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't think so because it doesn't even really sound like it. I've never heard of anyone wanting to elope in Ipswich. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Um, and so they decided that that they're going to do this. Okay. Um, they're in love. Good for them. Um, and there's some there are some extenuating circumstances in their lives that would sort of want to cause them to run off. Possibly. They're too young. They're young. She's pregnant. They're not married yet. That's a big no-no. Oh, that's um, a big no-no. She's had kids already, so like they're like that's not a their families probably oh, okay. aren't big fans of that either. No. Okay. Um, so this is Maria Martin and William Corder. These are the two yeah. parties involved. Um, and they decide that and they say this in front of her stepmother, which is strange. I didn't realize that like stepmothers were a thing in the 1830s. I don't I don't know. I mean, I knew that they were like on like a thing in, in practice. <laughs> I just didn't realize that people got remarried, I think is Unless more. your wife died. Yeah. Yeah, she had to be dead though, right? It wasn't. It like, wasn't it, like a divorce. No, no, no. It wasn't like divorce. Yeah. And your wife had to be dead. I think you could file for abandonment at that point. Oh wow! Which meant basically they just disappeared. Oh okay. They'd they like, like a, they abandoned, like literally abandoned. Like you. literally abandoned okay. you. Okay, but they had to be disappeared, right? They couldn't like still be like wandering around your village doing like things. No, I think they have to okay. be gone. Okay. So they uh, agree to meet at the Red Barn to run away. And the Red Barn is like a local, it's like a local, um, like I, like the Red Barn is apparently very famous in Polstead. Okay. It is famous now, was famous then for just being like the only apparently discernible like building yeah, well, in, in the village. In the States, Red Barns are everywhere. Yeah. I will say in the UK, Red Barns are typically seen very much as an American thing, not a British uh, thing. Okay, well maybe that's, maybe that's what you it don't, has to do with. You don't see a lot of red barns mm. in the UK. Okay. Um, William was sort of had a bad boy reputation. He was known by Foxy. Foxy was his nickname because okay. he, he had a bit of a... I thought you meant the golf pro at Stoker no. Golf. He's known by Foxy. <laughs> he, he's known as Foxy. Sorry, wrong okay. preposition. He's known as Foxy by his classmates because he was a bit of like a, okay. of a, of a tricky character. Yep. A lot of fraudulent dealings, uh, including like he'd written some bad checks. They mentioned at least twice that he had some bad dealings involving pigs, which seemed like, I mean, his father was a pig farmer and he okay. had like fraudulently sold his father's pigs okay. and, then, and then stole some pigs with, with one of his friends. Okay. Um, they mostly kept their relationship a secret, especially because- it sounds she, like they all had some stuff going on. Yeah, especially because she was pregnant mm -hmm. um, out of wedlock, which is like not, not super great. Um, and there was, the reason he managed to convince her to elope was because the constable in the village had gotten apparently a um what is the word a warrant oh to arrest her because she was having a bastard and apparently it was so awful that it was illegal in the 18th and that's yeah totally believe that's that. what he used to convince her yeah, to run yeah, away yeah. basically um their child died although yeah. there is speculation that uh he possibly murdered the baby um before he murdered. <clears throat> okay, so their elopement was delayed several times. Uh, his family was like constantly in ill health and his brothers were always dying. So they just kept pushing it back and they were like planning. Wait, isn't the whole point of an elopement that none of that stuff matters? You just run off and do yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, okay. he was a bit of a shady character, so okay. he's probably doing some shifty stuff. Um, and eventually it's just like the middle of the day one day and they're like, we're going to run away now. Okay. And she's really not super thrilled about that because she doesn't want to be seen eloping with her husband, her soon-to-be husband. Yeah. Um, so he convinces her to dress dress up in some men's clothes and okay. that'll be normal. He's yeah. just like leaving with another man then. Um, 
So they both disappear. They go to this red barn, and then they like they're never they're basically never seen again. They like meet at the red they barn. They meet at the red okay. barn, and then they disappear. Okay. Um, and then he starts sending letters to her family to basically say, "Hey, we're in Ipswich. Everything's copacetic and okay. super kosher." But her family gets really confused because she never answers any of their letters. She like never corresponds back, and he's yeah. like, he's always just like, "Oh, she's sick." Uh, she hurt her hand. Oh, yeah. uh, they must have lost her letter in the mail. I think she's tired of writing letters to you. Uh, I was about to say, he'd be much better off being like, she actually just doesn't want to write a yeah, letter to yeah. you. I think that would be fairly... She's kind of done with yeah, you guys. We, we're in Ipswich now. We're all the way in Ipswich. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think is that far from no. Suffolk County. They're like bordering counties, aren't they? Well, Ipswich isn't a county. Ipswich okay. is a town. I... I don't know. My geography's not that great. It might but, be in Suffolk County. But they're not that far. Okay. I don't know quite where they are, okay. but I can tell you this isn't like north of England versus southern Yeah, England. versus like Cornwall or something. Yeah. So he then says like, okay, because they're getting a bit suspicious, I'm going to tell them that we move to the Isle of Wight. That'll... Well, that's much further. Yeah, that'll, that'll shake them off my trail. Uh, so he says that and then he... Um, so he says, yeah, we're like in the Isle of Wight now. And I believe at that time he stops like responding to that. Okay. At this time, um, her stepmother starts to have a lot of very vivid dreams of Maria's ghost in the red barn, basically saying, William, uh, murdered me. Huh. Like I'm in the barn. You have to like come find yeah. me. And so she and, uh, Maria's Anne and her stepmother and Maria's father go up to dig around okay. in the barn. And they dig up a burlap bag with her decomposing body in it. And uh, it was fairly hard to identify because she had been stuck in the ground for so long. Yeah. But she had like a missing molar. And one of William's green handkerchiefs was wrapped around her neck. So that was pretty incriminating. Because yeah. um, no one else has a green handkerchief. No, of course not. So then they, they end up tracking William down in London. Yeah. Um, where he was running a women's boarding home with his new wife. Okay. Uh, who he had met. In a Lonely Hearts, uh, like, question. Oh, that's a, a whole, that was a, a whole thing paper. in so, this. That was a whole thing at this point. Okay, so, like, sending in a letter and being like, I'm yeah, a yeah, man. Yeah. It's like Match.com or, like, any dating site, but, like, in a newspaper. Yes. Where you're like, I'm looking for a woman who will cook me breakfast every day. Yes. And apparently you can, he had, like, hundreds of responses to these, and you can read all of his letters in a book that was published in, like, 1830, like, shortly that's after his weird. death. But yeah. I will say the ghosting and catfishing was also just as prevalent at this point. That's kind of cool. I wonder, like, if if anyone's done enough research that we could eke off of it and do an episode on, like, Victorian ghosting. Catfishing. Yeah, Victorian catfishing. Yeah, I know at least one Victorian catfishing crime. That's kind of cool. I mean, like, I was reading it and I was like, oh, my God, this has been happening for, like, forever. Yeah. For literally I know at forever. least one Victorian catfishing crime. It might not be. I think it's an American one. Okay. Okay, anyway. I mean, yeah, it was just interesting to read yeah. that. Um, and, like, yeah, like I said, after his death, uh, spoiler alert, he's hung, he's hanged for her murder. Um, we could totally do an episode of, like, new phenomena that are actually really old. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think that'd be really, really interesting to see. Um, yeah, they published a book of, like, all of his, like, yeah. I am William and I'm looking for this kind of woman. And then they published all the responses yeah. as well. Because they he never went to pick them up. So they just, like, took them from, like, oh, the okay. Times or the Sun or whatever, whichever yeah. publication had them. Um, so the police search his apartment, his flat or whatever, and they find loaded pistols and, like, lots of incriminating letters. Um, okay. And a French passport 
And they were like, you were obviously like planning. Oh, she also had a gunshot wound. I shouldn't say that. Like, okay. Maria was found with a gunshot wound and a puncture wound. I think the fact eye. that he's been writing letters to her family. Yeah, saying that she's Saying fine. that she's yeah. fine and with him is probably the most yeah, incriminating there was, part. There was also this. that and his handkerchief, which was wrapped around her neck. Yeah. That... And the fact that people saw him going into the barn with a loaded gun and a pickaxe and then leaving without her was. All of these things <laughs> have a way of kind of steering people to believe. Yeah. Um, so they put him on trial, and this is like an incredibly publicized trial. Okay. Like, I don't know if this is a Victorian thing or if like people were reading more newspapers in the 1820s, Maybe. but like, but like, there are like newspaper wars. There was like a whole newspaper wars thing. In like the Victorian times? Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around that, okay. where newspapers finally started printing more and more sensationalized yeah. information. We saw the same thing happen in the States. In um, like a, I just don't remember what. Yeah, you're the journalism major. What's it? Okay. I haven't read a, I haven't read a history of journalism book in seven years, so it's hard for me to say. Okay. Um, especially because I didn't study English, like journalism yeah. history. But um, the trial was incredibly popular. Uh, there were like written reports of the judges and and the jury having difficulty like pushing yeah. through the cl- crowd to get through the courthouse because it's like very sensational, very like evil man like. Uh, mis uh, mistreated like young woman who was interesting because usually honestly with another kid in her mm-hmm. with another kid in her under her belt she like, wouldn't have been Im- immensely popular no Victorian newspapers in another world yeah. might have uh, ripped her to shreds for that one <laughs> no it was pretty unusual um, there was also mention of a newspaper and they I don't think that they're allowed to do this, but they were like, we're really thrilled that the jury like sided with against William for murdering this yeah. poor young woman. Um, so he went on trial in Shire, in Shire Hall, Bury St. Edmunds in Suffolk, uh, and was charged with murdering Maria Martin by feloniously and willfully shooting her with a pistol through the body and likewise stabbing her with a dagger. Uh, I don't understand like the felonious and willfully qualifiers for shooting a person. Yeah. Like, right. I don't know if, like, unwillfully shooting a person was a different sort of, like, murder charge. Accidentally. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then the evidence, they actually brought her stepmother's dreams as, like, physical evidence. Oh. Uh, her younger brother, George, saw William go into the barn with a gun and a pickaxe and leave. I'm thinking that they could have dug up the barn just based on that information yeah. alone. They he was didn't 10. The I don't know if it was, like, oh, he was a young he was a young boy. and Okay. And, like, I guess her family was convinced that she just wasn't, like, she kept breaking her hand and kept, okay. you know, getting sick and didn't want to write them any letters. Uh, he was found guilty after only 35 minutes of deliberation and was subsequently hanged. Um, and I wanted to ask you this. So they mentioned the hangman. His name's like Fox yeah. Trout or something. He had a very English yeah. name. He was apparently a very prolific hangman. Yeah. Um, and he claimed William's trousers and stockings. That was a thing. What does that does he like the hangman just took the trousers and the stockings yeah. for himself? For what reason? He needed new trousers. Oh, he wore them. It wasn't like a. Oh, he may have sold them. It was a Victorian era. That kind of thing would have sold. Yeah, that's quite true. Well. Especially based off of what I'm going to mention after. Yeah, it was after hang, the hangman hanging. was like a whole position. Yeah, he was a very popular one. He has oh, yeah? a, he has a whole Wikipedia article. He like he was at Oh, and you could be a good hangman and a bad hangman. <laughs> you could not hang very well. No, seriously. Like, really. There were ones that built poor scaffolding, like executions. Oh, so the hang so the hangman was responsible for building the gallows as well. I think so I know that with like executioners, like axemen, mm-hmm. scaf- like you could definitely hire in mm-hmm. like 
better ones from France. The ones from France were considered better really than good. the ones from England. Really good executioners. Chopping off your head. That's amazing. Um, so you could hire them in from France. To maybe kill you. maybe we'll maybe I'll do an, another episode on this very prolific <laughs> hangman. Apparently, I was just confused because I had like. I had never heard that that was a thing that people did. Yeah. And then my, I guess my, yeah, I guess like you would just sell it as a souvenir possibly because there's no reason for you to really hang on to someone else's trousers. Or he needed them. Yeah. Um. So, or he needed the trousers because apparently being a hangman doesn't pay very well. <laughs> I don't think it does. Uh, well, actually, you, I think, maybe when you do an episode on this, you'll be able to tell me. I think the person getting executed had to pay the hangman. It's like a civil service, I guess. Yeah. That's a bit strange. What if you can't pay the hangman? Do you just not get hanged then? You get a crappy one. Get, I think oh. it was like private health care. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is why the NHS exists in yeah. the UK now. Okay. Um. So his so he was hanged and then after he died, they dissected his body to like yeah. show off his muscles because the students in Oxford are like at this time really weird and okay. like super morbid. Um, they sold his death mask because that was a pretty common yeah, thing in, so in England normal. at the time. Um, his widow sold his glasses and the snuff box with the, with Maria's picture in it or like her likeness garbage. Yeah, it. that sounds about right. No, uh, seriously, the Victorian. They were just all about making. Weird and very mercenary when it came to. Very, very, uh, profiteering on, on death, which yeah. is a very interesting position for an entire country to have. Yeah. For a, a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was fairly normal to. Okay. Okay. Have a death mask collection. I think there were medical textbooks made out of people's skin. Yeah, so his, found in people's skin. His skin was tanned after yeah. they they stopped displaying his muscles, um, and it was used to bind the account of of the murder. So yeah, that was fairly norm yeah, normal. Yeah, normal. That was that was just how that went. Normal in big air quotes. Um, and so after that, the barn became this sort of morbid tourist attraction, yeah. like these things tend to. Like the year after. His execution, something like 200,000 people went to visit the barn and her family's, like, house, which seems like not very fun. I for, bet you they charged. They probably did. Um, bits of his noose were sold and, like, a bit that had his, some of his scalp and ear on it sold for, like, a, like a couple more guineas than the, just the normal bits. Uh, his skull sort of bounced around in private collections for mm -hmm. a while because it was cursed, apparently. And oh, people okay. Kept having, Where like, is it now? Really horrible luck. I think it's in a museum. It's yeah. in a museum because this ended up becoming so, such a popular yeah. case that uh, his body is sort of like it's on display somewhere. I yeah. Believe. Just I'm not sure if the skull and the body have been reunited. Reunited, but no, I think I probably not. Um, yeah. So that was that one, uh, and then just quickly, uh, there's. The, the Greenbrier Ghost, which is a case mm -hmm. from West Virginia, and it involves Elva Zona Heaster and her husband, Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. You just picked it for the name. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, she was found at the foot of her stairs um, by, like, a newspaper boy. Uh, yeah. Dead, obviously, mm -hmm. as, as she would be. And he called the police. You can't actually be at the foot of her stairs without being dead. Let me just Well, she was found lying on the, at the foot. She wasn't standing at the foot of the stairs. <laughs> Was lying at the foot of the stairs. She was having a cup of tea, and, and and then the newspaper boy ran off to call the police. So he called the police, and before the police or the the doctor, yeah. the, the attending physician or whatever, could show up to do the autopsy, mm -hmm. her husband had dressed her and put a veil on her and put a scarf around her neck. And so the doctor came in and was like, uh, I, need to, I need to do an autopsy. And every time he went to get close to the body, Erasmus like freaked out and was like, "You can't touch my wife." So instead of right. being like, 
chill. This is super suspicious. Maybe we should remove the husband from yeah. the equation. He was just like, yeah, she fainted because she was pregnant. And that's why she fell down the stairs and broke her neck. Be cool, man. Be, be cool. Because trusting women is, uh, trusting dead women is impossible yeah. to do at this period of time. Um, and so she's, uh, her body is in the morgue for a bit. And Erasmus is just sort of yeah. like. Chilling. Chilling. And. Um, he's finally found his cool. Yeah. He's finally, he's chill now because his wife is dead and he's mm -hmm. getting away with murder. If it's fa fairly evident that he's. Hiding some evidence. Um, but she's buried and all of this stuff. And after she's buried, her mother starts to have dreams of of Elva. And Elva's ghost tells her that Erasmus was very cruel to her and killed her. And we need to like, you need to get him, get him guilty. Um, and so she goes to see her daughter's body. I may have suggested, I just said she was buried. Don't think she was buried yet. Okay. She was still in the morgue. Uh, her mother goes to see her body, and the ghost, in order to prove. Her neck had yeah. been broken, turns Elva's head 180 degrees. So as her mother is there looking at her daughter's body, she reports that it turns all the way around. So her, well, her it head wasn't is, broken beforehand. Her head is back to front. Well, it wasn't broken beforehand. Certainly was then. Well, that's real creepy. So then she says this. She says, a yeah. my daughter's ghost turned her head all the way yeah. around. We need to like do a proper autopsy. Yeah. Following the autopsy, it was revealed that she had human fingerprint, like finger marks oh. around her neck, uh, that her spine was se severed or separated between the first and second vertebrae and her, okay. and her windpipe was crushed. And they were like, if you, you strangled her and you broke her neck and crushed her windpipe. And then um, weird. And then the weird ghost thing, which again was brought to trial, yeah. uh, brought in as physical evidence. Um, and Erasmus's lawyer, obviously, as you would, tried to prove to the jury that this mother was, like, obviously insane. Yeah. This couldn't be taken as any serious evidence. But she was so stalwart and steadfast in her description of the events that the judge had a difficult time telling the jury that they should disregard it as evidence. She was just so... This is what happened. ...convincing and convinced that... Well... ...the jury was like, okie-dokie. And Erasmus spent the rest of his life in prison. Again, I'm not sure that the ghost was the defining element in proving <laughs> the guilt there, but... Probably the vertebrae and the crushed windpipe. And the really sneaky suspicion of yeah. getting her dressed up and not letting anyone yeah, touch but we, her. Yeah, but uh, I guess they just were like, yeah. Cool. Uh, it's just interesting that <laughs> in two cases, we had, to, we had to have a mother see yeah. the ghost of her dead child in order to properly convict a criminal, the, her abusive a partner. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you about the case of Bella in the Witch Elm, mm -hmm. um, which I assume you have also not heard of. Never. Like, we have not heard of any of our cases this year or this week. This day. Today. This, this year. This morning. Um, mine said a little later than yours in 1943. Oh. Um, in the middle of World War II. Yes. Which is important to remember. Um, April 18th, uh, four boys were um, poaching because it was middle of the war and they had no money or looking for birds and stuff in Hagley Wood, which was part of the Hagley estate belonging to Lord Cobham. Oh. Um, when they near Witchbury Hill, when they came across a large witch elm. Ah, what's a uh, witch elm? Are those things only in this country? It's a tree. I. It's got, it's quite springy it's got lots of hand like long fingernails Ew, okay it's quite yeah it's kind of a creepy tree there's pictures of this witch elm online um so they're 
uh, climbing in it, trying to find buds' eggs in there that they can nick. Is that the best way to find birds, is to climb into a tree? I don't know. Dora, <laughs> why don't you Well, know? they were looking for their eggs, not for the birds themselves. Ah, right, that makes more sense. Um, and he looked in, and as he glanced down in there, he saw a skull uh, staring back up at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had hair and teeth, and since he they were there poaching, and, you know, that is creepy when you're a young boy. Yeah. Uh, they ran home yep. and didn't mention it to anybody. <laughs> we'll keep, take this secret to our grave. Um, finally, the youngest one, I imagine after having possibly kind of a lot of negative reactions, yeah. did tell his parents what they found. So the police went back to check the trunk of the tree and found an almost complete skeleton, including... A shoe, a gold wedding ring, and I think a taffeta uh, stuffed in her mouth. What's taffeta? It's a type of fabric. Okay. And they the skeleton was just crammed into the trunk of this tree. Yeah, like a hollow trunk and the skeleton was okay. like crammed into the trunk of this tree. Um, and uh, they, they went off for forensic examination, but this is 1943. So what they realized is she was female. Um mm. Early middle aged thirties, probably. Okay. Um, like not young, but not old. Had probably had a child before, mm-hmm. and then, and also was. I guess there was no real evidence of malnutrition. Like she looked healthy. Healthy, from what you can tell from a, a skeleton. skeleton. Um, Is that all they could tell? Was that she had had a baby and that she had taken her five a day? Basically. Huh. Well, I guess it was, like you said, it was the 1940s. 1943. Uh, so, but the problem they had was, of course, this is 1943, and ever everyone was going missing, dying. It was a very crazy mm-hmm. time, and they trailed through a whole load of missing persons reports and never found anything. Okay. Um, in 1994, there started to be a, a whole weird things, uh, graffiti. Mm-hmm. Appearing, the first one said, "Who put Lula Bella in the tree?" Mm-hmm. The next one said uh, something else, but it basically became over and over again. Graffiti started appear- appearing, saying, "Who put Bella down the witch elm?" On the tree? No, on different on the side of a brick building, oh, okay. on a monument, on like I don't know. <laughs> um, and so generally, uh, the Hadley Obelisk is the one where it appears most often. Um, it appears, as in, like, several times it was. Like, as in, they clean it off, oh, and, then it, it, yeah, okay, and then course, someone re-graffitis it. Is this, in, is this all of this happening in the same part of England? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is all in this little town. Okay, in, okay. Around Hadley Wood. Um, in a Birmingham area. Just to give you an area, an yeah, idea yeah. of where it is. So it's it's not super rural, but it is a small town that she. They're in a small town, but the woods are between them and Birmingham. Okay. So she could have very easily come from Birmingham. Yes. Which I think at the time when maybe still is the second largest city in England. Okay. So it wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this has led, and 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 really, they've done facial reconstructions and stuff. Since then. Since then. But this has led to a huge variety of theories as to what, who mm. Bella is as, in the witch elm. Yeah. Um, How did they end up with the name Bella? 
because it was just written on this graffiti. So, oh, that, so that's that's literally it's not that's like, literally okay. it. Um, so. 1945, and this is where the supernatural element comes in. Um, Margaret Murray, an anthropologist and archaeologist at University College London, uh, posed the theory of witchcraft because she believed that the severing of one hand, because one hand was found away from the body. Okay. Not in the tree. Okay. But around um, the tree? Around it. Okay. Was consistent with a ritual called the hand of glory. Ooh. Oh, the hand of um, glory. That's a, yep. that's a thing I understand from Harry Potter. Yep. <laughs> after the victim had been killed by gypsies during an occult ritual. Of course. Um, and there was, they that led investigators to consider another seemingly ritualistic killing of a man child, Walton, in a nearby village. And they had cut his hand off. Uh, I actually couldn't find anything about him. Okay. Really? But just that they, they managed to tie it together and they blamed it on gypsy... Makes sense. Gypsies. Blame it on the gypsies. Um, so I'm going to read you and then, okay, uh, then I'm going to tell you. Uh, Ooh. Okay, so some of the other ones. <laughs> There's just a lot, like, um, some people think she might have been part of the traveler community generally uh -huh. and because of everyone moving around at the time, uh, it was... Um, it was just going to be impossible yeah. to identify. It's hard to identify traveling someone missing yeah, you from a traveling community. There wouldn't be a missing person. <clears throat> yep. Um, in 1941, a report had been made about screams being heard in Hagleywood. Um, and they uh, they never they actually searched the woods at the time mm -hmm. and never found anything, including around the area of the witch tree, mm -hmm. and never found anything. Um, and... Uh, it seems very unlikely that a stranger would have been able to hide her in this trunk as well. Like you wouldn't have just you would have had to know stumbled it was there. upon it. Um, but I'm going to read you some quotes from an article in 1953 um, from a Dutch woman um, who uh, named the woman as Clarabella Dronk Dronks Dronkers, who had been killed by a German spy ring consisting of a British officer, a Dutchman, and a music hall artist. Um, okay. okay. Carry on. Sorry. Those <laughs> are three, three different things. Anne of Claverley is quoted as saying from journalist Wilfred Bridford Jones, finish your article, Ari the Witch Elm, by crime by all means. They are interesting to your readers, but you will never solve the mystery. The one person who could give the answers is now beyond the jurisdiction of early uh, earthly courts. In other words, the murderer is dead. He's dead already. Um, and so she gave this information to Wilfred Bryford Jones, um, and he then took it to the police, and they did a whole load of investigation. They did find that actually what she was talking about might have had some really uh, credence. Yes, as in it was World War Two. Yeah, and. I guess they were seeing people everywhere, uh, spies everywhere, but no one's actually been able to find out what the credence is that that they thought it was given. Does that make sense? I found quotes saying that they that they thought it was legitimate. That they thought it could have been legitimate. But the, but but I've never been able to find out why they thought it could be legitimate. Right. Um, and went on to say the affair of Griff, is closed. Griff. Griff. 
Anne went on to say, the affair is closed and involves no witches, black magic, or, or moonlit brights. Much as I hate to have to use a nom de plume, I think you would appreciate it if you knew me. Um, the only clues I can give you is that the person responsible for the crime died insane in 1942, and the victim was Dutch and arrived in England illegally in about 1941. I have no wish to recall any more. Okay. So other things are, and, and this theory gained more weight when MI5 published some of its wartime files. Okay. There's a guy named Joseph Jacobs, an enemy agent who was arrested after parachuting into Cambridgeshire in 1941. Um, and there's a photo of him with an actress called Cleb, a German actress, and it she was called Clara, mm -hmm. and she was said to have parachuted into the Midlands with him mm -hmm. at the same time. So some people think that maybe she parachuted into the tree and couldn't get out. Oh, Oh, why would her hand have been ripped off? Animals. Off? Right. Um, but why would she have got... Stuck in a tree. Why wouldn't they have found some parachute material? Mm -hmm. And why would she have taffed her in her mouth? Um. So there's a lot of kind of theories on this kind of stuff. I read one and then I went back trying to find it and I've known this case for a while so I've read stuff about it. There was one dude and this perhaps to me seems the kind of dumbass thing that someone would do <laughs> combined with a little bit of murder. <laughs> there was someone who said that he was drinking with a woman yeah. and she got really drunk so he put her in the tree to sober up. Okay. And he reckons she must not have been able to get out and that's why, why she died. Why did he leave her in the tree? Well, <laughs> Never and then, leave your drunk friends in trees. And then he also, this guy I think went insane and ended up in a criminal insane place to, like in an oh, insane asylum like too. The... So I'm wondering if there's some crossover here. Yeah. And maybe, maybe he didn't just, she just get drunk and put her in the tree. Maybe she got drunk, he killed her and he put her in the tree. Yeah. But it was easier to just be like... I... <laughs> Put her in the tree to sober up. Um, Learn the recovery position. Don't put your friends in trees. No, I think he possibly killed her and then put her in the tree. To me, but what to me is weird is that she had a wedding ring. Uh-huh. And this is going to bring me to kind of, because this isn't a very long story. I mean, that's really it. No one knows anything else about her. Uh -huh. They don't know where she's buried. Somebody's done a facial reconstruction How based off the pictures of the skull. But they can't find her remains to do DNA analysis, which is the next logical. Why did why why not? Did they just disappear after nineteen? Apparently, the skull's been lost. Okay. Um, I mean, that's not a super uncommon thing. No, I, I mean it was that, the middle like, of the war. Bones I, get lost in transit a lot. It's like that person. Isn't there somebody who went missing on September eleventh, and they've never like? Probably. Like I'm in not... New York, like they they got killed or they went missing, yeah. but because it was. Isn't it, yeah, 9-11. There, like, there was just so many things going on yeah. that nobody could like. Well, that's like we, like in a, on a on a, a, a much lighter note than 9-11 or World War II, there was that like, there was that skeleton that very, and it was like very, uh, um, it was a necessary piece of evidence for, I don't know if it was a murder investigation. And then they found like the skull in someone's desk drawer like 50 years later. Yeah. And you're just sort of like, how did that even I think bones are just like people who like work in the bone industry. Like, I mean, like they they, they kind of forget. Yeah, that they're people. I, yeah, they're yeah they're people with flaws and and like sometimes you misplace things. Um. So anyway, I guess in 1999, because the Independent newspaper, which is where I got quite a lot of my information from, and which was why I was frustrated because I was trying desperately to print one of these articles and I couldn't <laughs> do it. Um, the Independent in 1999 did a whole load of stuff about it. I guess 
I, I don't know why they came back to revisit it. What was you said? It, it like sort of regained notoriety like the early '90s, right when people were doing all the graffiti and stuff. Yeah, and it, and it pops up every once in a while in the '70s graffiti. Like graffiti keeps re-popping up, um, and anyway, they they have said there is merit in a DNA investigation if they could find the body. If, if we knew where the skull was. So this brings me to kind of my rant because. How do you lose a skull? No, unidentified bodies. Mm-hmm. I don't understand um, oh. how how this is such a common thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I say common, I think I saw a statistic that like one in every 500 bodies is unidentified. It's not. We're not talking it's an epidemic. We're not even talking like, like, like single digit percentages, are no. we? No, no, no. But still enough mm-hmm. that this is a woman, and I'm going to talk about a, an even sadder unidentified body in a minute cool. because just bringing this down. Great. But this is a woman who fairly small village in must be fairly local, mm-hmm. discovered in with her wedding ring, her yes. clothes, had been missing if you believe the screams in the woods in 1941. Presumably about two years. About two years. And yet she has never been identified. Yeah. And how unbelievably sad is that? Mm. That It's just, yeah, it is weird to think that, like, if she was a local... Uh, oh, by the way, also, of course, people keep saying she was a prostitute. There is no... Yeah. Absolutely no evidence to that fact. Um, and I have a real issue with the fact that every time there's an unidentified body... <laughs> the number one go-to is, like, that someone who is a sex worker wouldn't have somebody that would miss them. Like, that that seems to be the automatic reaction, that when a body is unidentified, it's because they're a sex worker and therefore nobody would... Yeah, it does seem... Because it does seem to suggest that, like, sex workers don't have families. Well, I mean, mean, like... Like, in the 1940s, like... I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. Like, there aren't a lot of support groups for, like... For sex workers, even in like twenty twenty one, yeah, like you know what I mean, like. But you, it, it it makes it feel like that it's just a it, cop out. Like it's yeah. not like yeah, absolutely that it's a especially sex- if she were married, there would be some, presumably unless her husband killed her, but like, there would be presumably someone who would be like a friend yeah, or a family member anybody. or yeah, anybody. They're they're not transient. They're not like you know they're not completely separated from society just because they're a sex worker. No, and I hate that. So that's one of my... Yeah, that's This a, is why we're going ranty. This is why I'm going that's ranty. A, that's a... Is um, that that is like... Theory. Is that that is a theory based on... Almost nothing. Nothing. Uh, entirely nothing. Entirely nothing. Yeah. They have decided that this woman may be a sex yeah. worker. Yeah. I mean, maybe statistics, which is unfortunately the very nature would, is that... Yeah, I mean... But you wouldn't stop. have you wouldn't have a missing persons report probably if it was if she wasn't a sex worker. I don't uh, I don't know I don't I don't know. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you a real quick about the Walker County Jane Doe, just as an example of how insane it is mm-hmm. that there are still unidentified people. Yes, that people die. Yeah. And they are never claimed. And let's face it, the police, when it comes to finding somebody to charge or arrest, if they can't identify who the person is... Yeah, it's, it makes it so difficult. Like they can't, You can't prosecute anybody on, no, a, on an unidentified body. No, because they don't even know where to begin. Yeah. So November the 1st in 
And this is a really bummer one, and I'm really sorry, and it has a lot of triggers. So anybody who wants to turn off now, do it. Um, and I promise you I won't – we will not kind of go down this route too often, and it's just a one-off because I got ranty. But a girl between estimated between the ages of 14 and 18 – was found in the Sam Houston National Forest. Mm -hmm. She was lying face down. It's 1980, I think I said that. Uh, 20 feet from the shoulder of Interstate Highway uh, 45. Um, This is in America. In America. Jump to America. Um, She'd been deceased for approximately six hours, putting her time of death around 320. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously when she was found, she... So this is already unusual because she's not... In any state of decomposition. Yet. No, this is not. Not this is this is why I picked this case. Is because yeah. it's not like it's a skeleton or a. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, a relatively. This is forty years ago, mm-hmm. and when they found her, she looked like her. Yeah. Okay. Does that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't make it much. Like the yeah, with the skeleton thing, you're you're sort of like I guess I sort of understand, especially in the forties when that sort of yeah uh, the the forensic yeah stuff wasn't there, but in like. In the eighties, with a f- relatively fresh body, it's like uh, how five you... foot six inches. Yeah, between the ages of fourteen and eighteen, You'd be able to very specifically tell people what this person uh-huh. looked like. One hundred and five to one hundred and twenty pounds. Um, well nourished. Very important factor, apparently. It is important from the perspective of, and she had good dental care. Mm-hmm. Um, her eyes were hazel. Her hair was approximately 10 inches in length. Um, and her fingernails were bare, but her toenails had been painted pink. Okay. She had a vertical scar measuring one and a half inches at the edge of her right eyebrow. And her nipple, her right nipple was inverted. Okay. Okay. Um, due to the general condition of the deceased body, including her health, nutrition, and the excellent dental care she had received in life, they believe she had held from a middle-class household. I'm not going to go into how she died. It was horrific. Um, she was uh, she was strangled, but uh, but what had happened to her body um, and to her is horrific. But I I know we we were talking about supernatural things. Yeah. To me, it is supernatural in the most elemental state mm-hmm. that a young girl who's been well cared for, well looked after, well loved, that there is someone out there that must be missing her. Yeah. She would now be about 56 years old. Just yeah. as a... She was 14 or 18? 14 to 18. Yeah. Um, she would now be about 56 years old, and no one has ever identified That's really her. really strange. And, and I know that with, if you want to talk about supernatural in the, like... Spooky sense. Yeah. There's a f- there's quite a few of these cases. Where do these bodies come from? Where are they dropped from? Because obviously what the police do in this case, they had a couple of um they had a couple of leads. Um it uh, the day earlier, or two days earlier, she had been seen in a a gas station. Okay. Um where she talked to somebody, she looked maybe disheveled. And the waitress that she talked to, um, she drew a map providing directions to a prison farm that was nearby for this girl. Okay. And the girl had formed her that she was from either uh, Rockport or Aaron's Pass, Texas. Um, Sam Hudson, is that in Texas as well? Sam Hudson National Park? I think so. Um, so not very far from where she was. 
Um, she told the waitress she was 19, but the waitress didn't, didn't believe her. Um, and she'd asked the girl if she knew where her parents were, and the girl had said, who cares? Okay. So we know that she was obviously estranged from her parents or whatever, yeah. but... Well, if she was only 14, it's entirely possible that she had just run away. But this is my point, is that how? We're talking still fairly local. Yeah, that she would... That, she, that there wouldn't be a missing person. But how is there not a missing persons report on this woman? Mm. How has nobody managed to tie... A body to her name. A body to her name. Yeah, especially because I don't know what the... To me, it's supernatural. That if It's she, beyond natural. If she was born in Texas, if she was born in Texas, mm -hmm. because obviously we don't have any knowledge of whether yeah. or not she and her family moved from Texas or... Well, we don't even know if she was from Texas at all. She could have she could have come there from yeah. anywhere. But um that there wouldn't be any finger like fingerprint evidence because babies are I, I was fingerprinted when I was born. Yeah. Uh and so like it's kind of unusual that they wouldn't even be able to match from like a national registry. Well, bear in mind that would have been sixty six, I reckon she, oh, she would have been born in nineteen sixty. I mean, and again, like I don't think you have to fingerprint a child no. when they're born. So like it's entirely possible yeah. that she just wasn't um, in 2015, the case was reopened. Okay. Um, and they've um, been what? trying to use DNA. Do they just like do that? Yeah, they sometimes? just kind of go back okay. to it. They've been trying to use DNA evidence. Um, uh, somebody reckons that they met her previously in a motel yeah. where she was traveling with two people, and they have a photograph of them all hanging out at the ho oh, motel weird. pool. Yeah. Um, and they remember her name being Kathleen. Maybe they okay. think that yeah. is it. All right. And I just, there's nothing, I'm not suggesting that in any way, like, but it's just crazy to me that, that, of course, while ever people, if you know somebody and you don't see them for a while, or yeah, something, it's really weird. even your thing with the woman in the letters, like, if you are suspicious that someone may not be, like, all right, that might, someone might not be all right, yeah. file a report, put some photos on file, yeah, log DNA, like, yeah, I mean, like, in the 1830s, like... I get that, but, yeah. like, but now, mm. even in the 40s, there's, you know, half these cases that come up as being supernatural, I guess this is maybe where I'm going with it, half the cases that I've read, crime cases that came up as being supernatural, yeah. were to do with the fact that they couldn't identify the, the body. body. Yeah. No, it's an, a very unusual, an unusual thing that, like... Yeah, I mean it's ins that's insane because like there's so many there's so many you, kids. You that would presume that she had parents. I mean, like she could have been an orphan or like I'm a big crime junkie and I'd never heard of her case. Yeah. And I'm like I said, I'm not going into the details because we're not here to sensationalize. Yeah. Um. Murder. That's yeah. not what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. It's just and and I. I've I just had never heard of her case and. I just that I find it like very one, sad. That seems like one that those those like the true crime podcasts would be very interested in. Yeah, I just find it very sad. But that I mean, these... like you said as well, there are lots of cases like that. Yeah, it's not. It's just one I found. I just was looking for, and it just seemed to me like one that where an identity should be have already been. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, forty years later, we shouldn't still be trying to find out the identity. Yeah, well, but like if they still you know have access to whatever they had from her you know, from her body from the 80s, hopefully they could sort of, I don't know how they're going to do it because no. if she didn't have any fingerprints on file, like how are they going to like... A familial DNA. 
And right. that's where all of this is going to come back to. Yeah. It's how, if they ever identify who's in the witch elm. Yeah. If they ever identify Walker County Jane Doe. Yeah. Um, if they ever identify any of these, it's going to be familiar DNA. And yeah. I know that there's a lot of people out there who have issues about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But really, it's going to put, it's going to be able to put a lot of bad people away. Uh -huh. It's going to be able to identify and send home a lot of people who might not have been sent home otherwise. Right. So, see something, say something. Is that the right one? I think so. Yeah. Or don't see something. Uh, yeah. Don't or, hear anything. Don't hear anything. Say something. Say something again. Because. Because it's unusual for your daughter to not send you any letters after she moves to Ipswich. Yeah. And it's unusual for your best friend from high school to disappear on a Friday night and never come back to school. Yeah. Like, maybe the parents are responsible. That's the So thing. maybe the parents aren't going to report That's it. what I was wondering was like if like a, a young girl disappears or I, if a young child disappears and they're like uh, they're in the age range possibly yeah. still living at home with their parents and the parents don't file a missing I will tell report. you off camera what was done to this girl I would but really I ra almost rather you did I know but I will really I hope to God that I and I mean I've read some pretty horrific things done to children by yeah. their parents but this is pretty bad yeah and that is my phone ringing. So that is my cue. That's a cue. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Wonderful. Bye. All right, bye.